Love is freedom. Love is freedom. Love is freedom. I'm real nervous, like really nervous. And it's not about my voice or how I look while doing this because y'all can't see me. It's about getting this right. I mean, I'm not a perfectionist, I promise you. But I love a flow. I love authenticity when I utter sweet nothings in your ear. I like that, sweet nothings. Because this whole podcast can be a bunch of shit. You already heard. Heck, or don't wanna hear for that matter. Or it can be the realest shit you ever heard. It's your choice. So I'm going to dive right in because I know the suspense is killing you. Everyone you ever claimed they were in love thought they were an expert. Let me say that again. Anyone and everyone who's ever claimed they were in love thought they were an expert. Like admit it. Like you thought the way you looked into his eyes, sis, or her eyes, brother. Or how about when you vowed to not lock your phone because you ain't got nothing to hide. And you can't forget that famous line, I love you, forgetting the love you really need was from within. Or how about that time your heart was broken? Remember? But it wasn't by your lover or some crush. It was by, heck, your, your father or even your mother, who might I add are both human, just like you and me. But you and I, we, we looked at them as angels, right? Heck, I know I did. Well, sort of. They could do no wrong. But listen, no, really. Like, what if I told you this shit ain't about me? Like, as much as I embrace and have recognized my own love journey, this ain't about me. Yes, I've got stories for days and experiences I've never in my wildest dreams thought I'd have. But this ain't about me. It's about us, you and I. Think of it as, like, we're hanging. You know, we, we outside somewhere or, or, or we're on the couch and we reminiscing, we cutting up. We talking shit and we taking shit to a whole nother level. And then we give each other that look. You know the look, like, I know you ain't just say that. Or, or how, or better yet, like, that shit happened to you? Yo, you shoulda, no, no, we shoulda whooped it. No, but really, really, this is a collective journey. And the realest shit is that we in this together. I know I've said this before, but I gotta be honest with you. Like this podcast, your episode one is going to dive just a little bit, just this, this, this a hair. But it's for the truth seekers, those who have hid behind their families, them computer screens y'all on every day, y'all job titles, heck, my job titles. We've hid behind our past hurts and pains, our new lovers, our future lovers. How about that undiscovered talent? Thrill seekers, storytellers. It's for the healers, those who hide behind children. No, that's a good one. I'll get to that later. Hold me to it. This is my love letter to my mother's sisters, daughters, you brothers and sisters who are ready to lean into your uncomfortable space in storytelling. 
it ain't easy. You hear it in my voice, it's not easy storytelling. Those who ready to tell it all, or tell it little. But share something, damn it. Share something. Shit, I don't even know what a first episode is supposed to look like or feel like. But I'm going to lean into this. I know what I said. I know. We on this journey together. I know. I'm scratching my head as, as I say this. But just know, in all honesty, love is a foundation. It's the foundation to this. It's the reason why I am about to spill it all and share and talk about things I have not spoken of, talked about, uttered in a long, long time. And just for this, I'm going to choose love. And I hope you choose it with me too. Choose to awaken parts of you. Be that child again while we talking. Hey, be that person sitting across from me in the lunchroom talking about nothing. Or maybe it was something, right? Be the person that I could whisper to and tell you my secrets. Because I'm definitely going to say some shit you ain't, you wouldn't have thought. You probably hearing it for the first time. But you know, episode one, I'm trying to make it epic. I'm trying to do it big. Is that a thing? I don't know. Um, can you do a podcast big? I don't know. But let's just say I'm trying to do it. I think it would be cool to take a moment to share um, like a quote or mantra um, every now and then from the black educators, inventors, artists, history makers, um, those who, who talk the talk as well as walk the walk. I want to pay tribute to those who have, all, who have been an inspiration to me, as well as to the people I've just learned about along my love journey. Those who have walked before me, those who are walking alongside me, and those who have allowed me to fit shoes that make me stand tall today. They've overcome their fears to be a voice to their people. And they have been our mothers, our sisters, our brothers, true mentors to us. So I'm gonna bring the music low. So I found one I thought was fitting for my love journey in my early days, little Miss Jolie days. They got a ring to it, Little Miss Jolie. Okay, mm-mm. So I read the work of the late Dr. Maya Angelou, who was a poet, a civil rights activist. She was an artist. She used her words to give space and freedom for our people to find themselves and to be themselves. She was a performer. Mind you, I didn't even notice um, until later on um, when I went to college. Um, but check out her work if you haven't done so already or if you know very little or only what those have told you about Dr. Maya Angelou. You know what's kind of messed up? It's puzzling growing up and feeling like, man, I didn't know that and I should have known that. I needed to know that. Because when you're younger, you're not really questioning whether things exist or not. It's like if I haven't seen it and mom, dad, grandma, big sis, uncle, you know, whatever. If they didn't tell me, I guess it didn't exist. I just had to let that sink in because I think it's important as I share this particular quote. So here I go. It reads, I am grateful to have been loved, 
to be loved now and to be able to love because that liberates. Love liberates. It doesn't just hold, that's ego. Love liberates. It doesn't bind. Love says, I love you. I love you if you're in China. I love you if you're across town. I love you if you're in Harlem. I love you. I would like to be near you. I like to have your arms around me. I like to hear your voice in my ear. But that's not possible now. So I love you. Go. And that's by Dr. Maya Angelou. Sorry, I got deep for a minute. I think my eyes closed. I almost like dropped a tear. Um, and I felt her work was like love letters to our people. I mean, y'all heard it. She was like, I love you if you're in Harlem. I'm like, hey. She wanted us to get it. She wrote for her people, us, to get it. I don't think she was writing for her time as much as her word use and the swing of the words as you read them felt that way. She was writing for us. She wanted us to get why love was liberating. She didn't care how much money you had, how much money you made, if you came from a single mother or a two-parent home. She just wanted you to get it, to feel it. Love didn't have a price tag for her. Anyone could love. And once you love, and once you were liberated. I got a story for this one. Like, this could be the part where, like, you sit down, and if you ain't got a track playing in the back, you should put that on now. Um, you know, get a little bit more relaxed because it's like a whole vibe a little bit. It's going to take you back to Little Miss Jolie days. So when I was about 10, or was that like 11, my mom brought me the Maya Angelou collection of poems. It's in your local bookstores, Barnes and Nobles, Amazon these days. But back then, it was a big deal to get your own book. You know what I mean? To have your mom write your name in it with the date on it, to and from. So I have to share this backstory because that's the only way it can make sense. So I have four sisters. I am the second oldest, but I'm a middle child. I have a sister who's like six years older than me. My mother's first. Then came me. Right behind me was my, my other middle sister. She's like, she was my sidekick. And then five years after her was a younger sister. I know that was a lot. You know how we women do when we trying to explain kinfolk and how we related. So anyway, always made the joke that although we lived in the same house, we were raised really differently. Like coming from a single mother home, like single parent home, excuse me, um, with my mom, she worked her tail off just to make sure we can go to things like dance classes and camp, at least that one year, yeah. Um, you know, she put me in violin and orchestra. But let's just say when it came to education, my mom didn't have time to do a ton of homeschooling or giving us a history about a tired race of people, black folk. Like, she worked. She worked her butt off, two jobs, you know what I mean? She had the beeper. We was calling after school. As soon as we checked, got in the house, we dropped the book bags and called on at the job. And we were latchkey kids. We had our own key to the house. So that's kind of what our lives were. There were books, yes, but if you if you wanted to learn, you got off your behind. You grabbed that book next to the encyclopedias that you read. You y'all know what encyclopedias I'm talking about. Every black family had a collection of those cyclopedias. 
that was barely used only for your history projects. You know, they was decor in the corner on your on that nice bookcase. You couldn't touch nothing. So anyway, I'm like 10 or 11 years old. My mom gives me this book. And I felt like something had changed. Something shifted. Like, I felt like I was one of them. I, I don't even know who them was at the time. But let's just say my oldest, my oldest sister was treated like royalty. You would think she was the only child with the way she was out around here acting. But in my eyes, I had made it. I had read it from cover to cover. I wanted to prove to my mom that I was ready for the big leagues. I wanted more books, more responsibility. But I wasn't, like, I wanted to be, like, I'm not a kid, any mom, kid anymore, mom, look, kind of thing. Um, and I did mention I was, like, 10 or 11. Y'all got to see how they treat these kids today, Lord, 10 or 11. I mean, times have changed, but I will get to that another time. But when I read Maya, I struggled to relate. I kept rereading it. Like, I recited it on my cassette player. I would record myself. The irony, right? I was like, I'm black, sure, but I'm more like a, you know, a caramel. And we didn't talk about black power or necessarily the black woman and liberation. My mom lived it, yes. It kind of showed up in her style and in the art she, she surrounded us with, but it was something that we found in history lessons and in Black History Month. I didn't reach this deeper level of understanding until high school. Side note, I am really proud of my people in so many ways these days. Like, we are truly taking every space we reside in, in any way, I don't know how you want to put it, saying, I am a black body in this space and will not be ignored. And I just think that's pretty dope. Like, I just, it just sparked an idea. Uh, so another episode to come, Our Black is Beautiful. But something I did notice was how I showed up, like for me, for myself. I began to pay attention to the little details that, that made up me. Y'all gonna laugh, but I can remember, and sisters, you can relate, we taking longer showers, we would press and get our hair together. My favorite was like the little flat twist in the front with the hair out in the back. Or how about the, like the slick ponytail with the wet brush where you put the grease on it? Yeah, that was me. Um, and I would put on my favorite scarf that my aunt gave me. But look, it was, it was something about that time and that era where I began to accept the fact that I was becoming this young lady. I took off the things that covered me and shielded me. That was, you know, larger clothing and things to kind of disguise who I was. Although there was some cool outfits back then. The oversized vest in the 90s was everything. But I can remember embracing even my breasts, don't make that face. But really, things had changed. My mom didn't have to say, hey, you are changing. Like, we have to tell our kids today. It, it, like I said, it's a whole new era in which we live in today, and I do not, and I have children, so I will never not understand how important it is to let children know, hey, you're great, you're awesome, you're phenomenal. <laughs> but things were different. Maturity back then was very different. But I still hadn't gotten used to my lips. <laughs> it took me a few years before I discovered the glossy lip gloss for a dollar at the beauty supply store. Ladies, y'all don't remember what I'm talking about. Fellas, I'm not sure if y'all can relate. Unless you want to consider that do-rag journey you were on, maybe that's more your speed. That was more than a dollar, I thought. But anyway, 
I was becoming this phenomenal woman. It was a sway of my hips, you know the rest. I really felt phenomenal. I felt like I had showed up. It was my aha moment, and we all have them. And I can truly say that was the beginning of my love story. The love for me then. It had begun then. It Somehow, me striking 10 or 11, whatever that was, it was where I saw who I was becoming. And when I looked in the mirror, I saw the person staring back at me. And the larger thought I had, this bubble I had in my head was like, hey, now you have to be an example for every other little black girl. And I was like, I I don't want to do that. Like, that's a lot. (laughs) You know, to become the example for an entire community of little brown, black and brown girls that look like you. That was a lot of pressure for me. And I don't think anyone understood it or knew or whatever. Um, But because of this newfound confidence I had in my love journey and loving myself, I felt like I had to kind of reflect that on the outside, too. I couldn't just keep it to myself. That wasn't what the learned, my love journey was all about. And I think it was then that I, I made a decision that I would love outwardly as well as inwardly. And being an example to my younger sisters at the time and my cousins who looked up to me, it was important to me. So, you know, that was my love journey. So I'm gonna stop right there because I think it's important to kind of know when the story needs its break, when it's time to breathe. And I must say, the beginning to the many chapters and layers of me, I hope that it opens and sparks you and allows you to take a moment in your journey to go, when did it begin for me? When was it interrupted? I can't wait to tell you that story. When did I develop a passion for something outside of myself? I can still remember just picking up things that were outside of me for the first time and going, ah, this is what it feels like. And I must say, the love journey of discovering a voice outside of my own and then mirroring it with who I was as a young woman at that time, it meant everything to me. But for the first time, I began to see myself outwardly and how I can be a part of a larger community, even if it meant me taking the hit, if you will, for the community and hearing the trials and tribulations of a black girl, because I cannot tell you what happened that following year and the year after that, where all of a sudden, because of the weight I now held to be a role model and an example for black and brown girls, how that was a different scene when others begin to see you and who you were externally, when all you felt and cared about was the the, the, the young woman in, inside of you. Because who you saw in the mirror was very different than the dude on the corner did, or your family did. Heck, your sisters for that matter. And looking back, I can smile, but there were times where there was much laughter and joy and burying myself in books and poems like Maya Angelou's. 
And then there were other times where I was like, the world is not ready for this. Hell, am I ready for this? And it was sometimes very heartbreaking to watch and unfold when I stepped out of my own doors, how I didn't feel, I didn't always feel protected. Whereas the words and the comfort of my books and my pen allowed for me to be protected. But I'm gonna stop because that is a whole nother journey in this journey of love. And love is freedom. It's a black woman's podcast. So if you still ready to take this ride, it's only more ahead. And I would love to have this conversation. When did your love journey begin for you? When was it? When did it happen? I'm going to keep saying it because love is freedom. And if we find ways to free ourselves and get our story told by no one other than ourselves, that's half the battle. So that way when we show up in the world, there's nothing anyone can tell us about our story that we have not already heard and and picked through and sort through and understood. So I'll stop here. And let's just say in episodes to come, it's not going to just be my voice. It'll be the voices of people that I respect and admire and want to hear more from based on my topic of choice for that week. And I thank you again for joining me. Love is freedom is deep to me. It's personal. And there are times where it's not going to always be this voice. It's going to be heartbreaking. So thank you for joining me. Love is Freedom, a Black Woman's Podcast.